Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with your thankfulness in your hearts to God. God, that is our hope this morning, <laughs> that you can make something beautiful out of us, God. You are doing it. We see it. God, we just want to enjoy that. And God, today as we gather, we gather not to earn something from you, but God, we gather in response to what you've already done. So the pressure's off again this morning, God. We just get to enjoy learning about what it means to enjoy you and follow you and live life a life of purpose and hope, God. Lord, I just pray that this morning as we open your word, God, that you'd open our hearts. We love you, God. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Colossians. Hope everybody's doing okay this morning. This is a super cool day because not only did we get a chance to pray with Grassroots Church, but we're also going to be baptizing after the service. Immediately after the service, we'll move outside, and Latarsha is going to be baptized, and so we're excited for you, Latarsha. And um, actually, we have, we have something. We, get, we, we came up with these shirts. They're, I'm going to take my jacket off so I don't sweat like a pig. And, um, and, uh, and, and these shirts will be a gift to those of you that are getting baptized. And this is really what we're doing, as you've said. I've decided to follow Jesus and to to recognize, place my faith in Jesus, and so pretty, pretty cool. And so, if you want to get baptized, uh, let us know, and uh, or if you want a new T-shirt, get baptized. All right. So here we go. So we're in this series. This is the second week. I'm doing this series. It's called "What's Up with That." So look to your neighbor and say, "What's up with that?" You know, we do a lot of things. It's kind of fun to say. We do a lot of things as a church that, for those of you that have been around the church for any amount of time, it has become normal to you. And so maybe we just do it without really thinking about why we do it. Last week, I talked about the Bible. Why do we use the Bible? We, we use the Bible because we believe that the written word, the Bible, reveals the living word, Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we see God. And so we take very seriously the words on these pages. And so uh, it was a lot of fun last week to, to share that with you. Well, today, the, the question that we're going to think about regarding the practice of Christianity in, in church life has to do with singing, which we've just done. When I think about singing in the context of the church, I think, what's up with that? Why do we sing? If you never in your life went to church, and you never, ever, ever heard about what happens at a church, and you showed up at a church, and the first 20 minutes you were there, everybody was singing together words from a screen, you would think to yourself, what's up with that? Well, you know, as well as I do, that music is so powerful. A mid-17th century French mathematician, physicist, inventor, writer, and Christian philosopher by the name of Blaise Pascal observed that the people who have the greatest influence in shaping the hearts and minds of any generation are not the folks who write the laws, but those who write the songs. In Christian circles, a man by the name of Ralph Martin wrote a book called Worship in the Early Church, and here's what he said. 
the Christian church was born in song. So when the church gathers, you will almost always be invited to join in on the music. We are a singing people. We are a singing people because the reality of God and the devil and the good news of the cross and Jesus Christ are so good that we must sing. These realities require more than analysis by scholars in a room. These realities and truths about who God is, according to the Bible, require more than just discussion in a coffee shop. We must sing. So here we are in Colossians chapter 3, and what Paul has already done in Colossians chapter 1 and 2 is he's laid out the gospel. He says in in Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, you see God. Lays out the gospel that Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled to God. It's nothing that we could do, but it's what God has done for us because he loves us. And then in chapter 3, he begins to talk really practically about, okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean for your life? At the beginning of chapter 3, he begins to list off things that we're to put to death, like deeds of the flesh, sexual immorality, lawlessness, uh, adultery, all of these things. Put these things to death. This is no longer a part of your new life. And then we're to put on some things. We're to put on compassion and love and kindness and humility. Well, he gets down to verse 17 of chapter 3, and he describes now what it's going to be like as the Christian people get together. When the Christian people gather, which they are supposed to do and have been doing for 2,000 years, something special occurs. Look at chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So there's four things here that help us answer the question, what's up with that regarding music? First of all, our singing requires right thinking. Our singing should be from the heart. Our singing unifies, unifies our church, and our singing is for God. So we're going to talk about these things, and it helps us think about singing in the context of the church. I considered singing my sermon, but I'll spare you, okay? Okay, so first of all, our singing requires right thinking. It helps to have some right thinking when we think about the purpose, the role of singing in the context of of the church. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So if we were just to get together and begin to sing some songs without thinking rightly about who God is, then the things that we would sing might not be accurate or not, might not be helpful in our Christian faith, in the Christian faith. So he says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what is the word of Christ? Well, the word of Christ here is the gospel. I mean, the gospel, the story, the good news of the Bible. So for us to have songs and the right kind of songs as a part of Christian worship, we must immerse ourselves in the gospel continually. So you're supposed to receive the gospel and then walk in the gospel, enjoy the gospel, live the gospel, experience the gospel, teach the gospel. So he says this, we do this, we, we dwell, the word of Christ dwells in us richly by teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom continually. This is what I do every single week. I teach you, but you also teach me. We teach one another. We're wise if we teach one another the gospel and admonish, which admonish, you know what that means? It means like urge or caution. 
So we're wise if we teach and urge one another with the right thing, which is the gospel. Uh, Okay, let's back up here. What is the gospel? What is the good news? Well, the good news is that all we've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong can be forgiven if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, believing that when his body was broken and his blood was shed on the cross, there was a payment for our sins. You get that? It's one way to say or describe what the gospel is. It's good news. All that we've ever done or all that we've ever will do wrong. Every time where we will miss the mark of God's standard of righteousness and holiness, that's a sin that separates us from God. We can't do anything to make up for that. But God, in his love, sent Jesus to die on the cross. And there's a mysterious exchange where Jesus dies on the cross and our sin goes to him. And if we place our faith in Jesus, then his righteousness comes to us. He was raised from the dead. And that assures us that we can have new life in Christ. This is good news. The good news is that we can enjoy the life God has created us to live. Christianity isn't about stopping something, but it's about starting something because of the good news that we've received. It's a good news. It's a good message. It's a life that can be lived with joy even on unhappy days and a life with peace even in chaotic days. Some of you know that. We have people in our church now that are ill, very ill. They're some of the most joy-filled people I'm around and I know. This is the gospel. And it's not only something we hear and receive one time and kind of walk away from it, but it's the message we continually dwell in because it is enough. It is enough every single week to remind ourselves that God is awesome and we have messed up, but God has made a way for us to be made righteous through Christ. That is enough and that is awesome. We have to think rightly about the gospel As we come together and sing songs, the degree to which you think rightly about God is the degree to which you're thinking rightly about the songs that you sing. You see, music is a poetic expression of belief. And our songs are one way we teach one another true things about God. We sang these words already. My hope is built on nothing less Then Jesus' blood and righteousness, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We sing those words because we're teaching and admonishing one another with the gospel. That's right thinking about who God is. And there's something supernatural that happens in that. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So when we sing, we are to think rightly about God, which begins and continues in and ends with a right understanding of the gospel. And that's an ongoing, continuing process. But when we sing also, our singing should be from the heart. You see, when we rightly see God, our hearts burst with song to God. I will never forget the moment I first saw my first child. Never. When my wife gave birth and I woke up from my nap, just kidding, Um, 
I walked over to him. You, you know what happened? I was like, I, I, I can't. I mean, the emotion in me was bursting forth. And I, 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 I just started humming worship songs because I could think of nothing other than how glorious this little person was. You see, when we think about God, when we think rightly and we properly have a proper understanding of how awesome God is, our hearts burst with song. They sprang forth naturally with things like psalms. He lists a few different types of songs here. When when he said psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, it's probably songs, S-O-N-G-S, from the book of Psalms, which is in the Bible in the Old Testament or hymns, and they had other types of songs that they would sing, like we do, spiritual songs, songs with the meaning of, 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 of Christ at the center. And they sang with thankfulness in their hearts. When our emotion gets heated up by our thinking, mere prose, you know what prose is? Like sentences, it's not enough. We need music, we need songs. The image comes to mind of a geyser. Anybody ever been to Yellowstone National Park? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Yellowstone National Park. Have you seen Old Faithful, the geyser? Raise your hand if you've seen Old Faithful, the geyser. You know how that works? It's really an interesting phenomenon. Uh, Yellowstone National Park is in Wyoming, which is in the United States. It's the most predictable geyser on Earth. It erupts about every 90 minutes. And here's how it works. The surface water seeps down into the rock, travels down about 6,000 feet where it contacts really hot rock. And that water begins to get hotter and hotter and hotter. It begins to boil, become pressurized. And then the effect is this hot stream of water sprang from the earth for all to see. When I think about what it means for the word of Christ to dwell in us as individuals and as in a community, what I think about, I get this image of the word of Christ seeping into us, falling down into the pores of our hearts. And when it reaches that deepest part of us, the part that Paul describes as the inner man, it's the part of us where there is emotion and passion and heart and longing, and depth, and soul. That part, when the word of Christ gets to that part of us, what happens is it begins to boil, and the pressure comes forth, and we sing to God. We sing things like, we will sing in just a few moments, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Our songs must come from our heart. Now, here's the thing about when we gather together, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like that little place in my heart where there's passion and emotion and it sounds good, right? But it's not always there. It's not always ready. I've had a hard week. I've been tempted. I've been battling, you know, maybe you've been battling temptation all week or maybe you had a hard week at work or, or maybe you came in and you're tired. You stayed up too late last night. You ate too many carbs and so now you're regretting it and that's all you can think about. And so when you come together, what I'm saying to you is this, is that if the word of Christ dwells in you and seeps down in you, it's going to burst forth and and you're going to be singing and it's going to be so awesome and normal. And for most of us, that's strange. So 
what I would say to you is that when you gather in a setting like this, there are a couple of ways you can make sure you're ready for that transaction between you and God, where you get to say to God things like, oh God, you are awesome. How vast beyond all measure that you would give your only son. What a treasure. There are a couple of things you can do. One, get rest the night before. Come ready with your heart. Prepare your heart. I know it's hard, especially if you have kids, because you're getting your kids ready, and you're trying to get the clothes that you iron for them on them, and they want to wear, you know, their Spider-Man PJs, you know, and, and I, I get that. Or, or maybe you hang out with your friends. Or what I get it, but what I'm saying to you is this is a wonderful opportunity to gather with people and to raise your hands and sing songs to God. Not all of you will want to raise your hands, and there's nothing particularly spiritual about raising your hands. You know why sometimes I raise my hands? Because it's a good reminder to me that I am like, I need God. I mean, like, God, I need you. Like, I, I want to touch you. I want to tell you. Like, I'm, I've got nothing in my hands. I mean, every time before I get up here to preach, it just comes across me like I'm getting ready to share these words from a very fallible human being. I'm going to talk about an infallible, perfect Savior. And I, God, I cannot do this. So in song, maybe you're not comfortable with it, and that's okay. We're not going to over-spiritualize the raising of hands. But if you want to raise your hands or you even want to sway, like you can do that. Our songs get to come from our hearts. You know what singing also does? Singing unifies the church. That's what's up with that. Singing unifies the church. You know, since the beginning of humanity, and especially if we look at the Old Testament uh, and the tribe of the Hebrews, so the Hebrew people, they frequently sang together on occasions of rejoicing, uh, and oftentimes it was associated with dance. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to caution you. Most of you can't dance, so don't even try. Um, but, 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 you know, there was, there was a, something happening in them. They, something was going on around them. God was doing something, and so they responded with song, like in the pinnacle event of the Old Testament, the Exodus. You know the story when Israel was enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years, and God raised up Moses to deliver them. They get to the other side. You know the first thing that they did once they knew that they were somewhat home free? They sang. Exodus 15.1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang to the Lord. There's, there's a book I used in my preparation for this called Music in the Mind. A guy named Anthony Storr, not a Christian scholar or theologian, but he talks about music in the mind. He says um, that in all societies, a primary function of music is collective and communal, to bring and bind people together. People sing together, dance together in every culture. And you can imagine that, right? Imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago for those very first followers of Christ to have received the gospel, to believe it deeply in those little statements of truth about who God is and what he's done, seep down into their souls. And what emerged was song. When we sing together as a community of faith, there is something special that happens. That's why we do it every single week. When we sing together and we say the same things to God, it unites us together on mission. It unites us. It's one reason that any church 
that is opening the scriptures and seeing the value of singing songs to God, and it's all throughout the Bible, singing and praising God with song. Any church that cares about scripture is gathering together singing songs to God. It's because it unites us. We gather together frequently, which is why it's important for you to frequently gather with your church because by not gathering with your church and participating in things like singing, you begin to drift from the body. That's the truth. You begin to drift from the body. And so when we gather together and we sing these songs to God, it unites us, which leads me to my last point. Our singing is to God. I mean, we're kind of singing to one another. We're admonishing one another. I mean, the people on the stage are are, are kind of singing to us, right? Because if they weren't singing, we probably wouldn't be singing either. But really, ultimately, what's happening in our singing is we're singing to God. We are thinking rightly about who God is and what he's done in a small degree, maybe. For some of you, it's very small, and that's okay. Others of you, you have a real depth of understanding of the gospel. So when we sing, it's important to remember, your songs are not for the person next to you. They're not for the people on the stage. They're certainly not for me. They're for God Almighty. And do you know what it's like for God? It's like a pleasing aroma rising to him. It's like beautiful noise to him. You say, well, I can't sing. I don't think it really matters. I mean, it matters whether or not we're going to put you on a microphone. But it doesn't matter whether or not you can sing as it relates to worshiping God. Our songs are for God. What's up with that? Well, singing is so important in the life of the church. It helps to have right thinking. It can be from our heart, unifies our church. And ultimately our singing is to God. My very first sermon I ever preached before I knew I was going to do this for the rest of my life. I sat down Memorial Day weekend, 1997, in my quiet time. For some reason, I read Psalm 96. And the words from this chapter so took root in my heart. I I had to sing in the moment. I had to tell people about it. And so I asked somebody at the church that I was attending, if I could share a Bible study. And I did, and I preached on this passage, and I knew from that point forward, my whole life, this is what I would do. I knew it. And I have not questioned it since. I knew it as I was sharing this passage. So I'm going to read it to you as we end, and, um, and then the band's going to come up here, and we're going to sing a song together to God, applying some of what we've just learned in hopes that it unites us helps us to think rightly. It, and some of you, you know, from your heart, if you feel comfortable raising your hands, go for it. If you don't, that's cool too. If you want to sit down, cool, stand up. It doesn't matter to me. But just remember, it's all for God. So would you bow your head? And as you bow your head, I read this passage. The band is going to come forward and lead us in a song before we take communion. Psalm chapter 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. 
He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts with praise. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, sing among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. Oh God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the truth of the gospel that's begun seeping down into the deepest parts of us. I pray, holy God, that what would burst forth is a song. A song of praise to you, God. And I pray that that song would rise to you as a pleasing aroma, a sweet melody to your ears, no matter how quality the voice. God, sometimes because of our pride, because of our fatigue, we miss an opportunity. But I pray that in these next few moments, we would not miss it, God. You would do something special in our hearts.